Welcome to Shift, college admissions ACT and SAT podcast for a changing world. I'm Tyler, founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable ACT course that uses memory-based adaptive learning technology to get you better results in less time. You can get a free trial at achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast will get you 10% off at checkout. Now, let's get started today with John Baylor from On to College, and John, really happy to have you on the show, and if you could just give a quick intro for the people who haven't heard you before, that'd be great. Thank you, Tyler. I'm the founder, CEO, I guess, of a company called On to College, and we started out like most test prep companies do, where I would just teach live, had a bunch of teachers we taught live, and then they invented this thing called the internet, and so we made it available online to uh, families everywhere, and they've been buying it, and then we've, since uh, the last uh, 10 years, we've really specialized in uh, ACT and SAT prep for high schools who uh, partner with us and make available to all their students, not just the affluent, our engaging, effective, efficient ACT and SAT prep course. So the entire overall average school-wide ACT or SAT score goes up. That can be life-changing uh, for these kids. So we've got families and we've got um, schools that use us largely to create two and four-year college graduates with minimal debt. We're all about kids getting their best fit post high school destination at the absolute lowest cost. Right, which is exactly what we're going to talk about today, which I'm excited about, which is how you're, you can minimize your student loans, which is really kind of a broad topic that has, you know, a bunch of different angles. But let's let's kind of take it from the top, right? Like, what are the main ways, just like big picture of how okay. you can minimize your student loans? Well, loans can really uh, slow down your life in your 20s. Mm-hmm. We, college should create financial freedom. College should not create indebtedness. So I think you want right. to start by creating some parameters. Look, we at Con- on to College tell families, no non-student borrowing. I mean, parents and grandparents, whatever contributions you're making, they should be mo- that should be money you've saved or money you're earning during the stretch of time that juniors in college. There should be no parent plus loans. I mean, that's a recipe for all sorts of issues, financial uh, compromised retirements, friction between this child and the family. That should not happen. Okay, fine. The kid's getting into Carnegie Mellon like you did and he's going to be an engineering major going to MIT. Fine. Mom wants to borrow, you know, 10 grand total knowing that Billy's going to start at 85 grand a year. Okay. I'm open to that. You know, you know, those really selective colleges, maybe we borrow a little bit to, to get them over the edge, but the borrowing should only be on the part of the student. And we say max out at 5,500 a year times four years. You're like, 22 grand. Sounds like a lot of money. It's 250 bucks a month. You're done by age 31. I mean, so you get a roommate, you get a used car, you, you don't get the fanciest, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Netflix package. It's not life changing. You start borrowing right. 8,500 a year, nine grand a year. You take four and a half years to graduate. Nah. Or worse, you drop out. So you never get that income bump, that salary bump. Yeah. That's when you have this invidious, insidious, uh, really, you know, stranglehold that that, that that debt has on millions of people in their 20s and, and 30s. So cap out student right. money, 5,500 bucks a year, which, by the way, is the maximum that currently that freshmen can borrow from the NDSL program, the National Direct Student Loan Program. And that's the preferred borrowing term. So it all kind of works together. Maximum 22 grand total for your degree, graduate on time. So start by setting parameters for borrowing. Right. And yeah, I mean, I have so many friends that they graduated with like six figures in debt. Right. Um, and if you, if you end up going to Google, Apple, Facebook, that's fine. And you kind of, but you still, it still takes you like your entire twenties to pay it off. Um, but you know, assuming you're like having a life, (laughs) right. (laughs) Like, and generally if you're working for Google, Apple, Facebook, 
or, you know, Goldman Sachs or whatever, um, you're living in one of the most expensive cities in the world, either San Francisco or New York, and rent is really high. And trust me, kids, I literally have lived this. Um, like I've seen so many of my friends do go through this stuff. <laughs> it is it Painful. is hard to pay your loans, right? Because it's just like imagine, you know, let's say you have a hundred thousand dollars in debt and then every the and then you know, you have twenty two to thirty that's basically like an extra 10 grand a year that you just have to take away and like mm-hmm. shove in a box. And you're embittered. That's 10 grand buys you 10 grand buys you a lot of vacations, it buys you a lot of dinners out, it buys you a lot of things. Money um, doesn't necessarily buy you happiness, but it buys you freedom, the freedom to use the word no. And if you are swamped with debt at age 26, you don't like your boss, you don't like your business, it's really tough to walk. But mm-hmm. if you're financially free it's a moderate amount of money you got it paid off you don't like your job boom you can reinvent yourself and there's it's much less painful right or at, at a bare minimum you can you know essentially let's say you take that 10 grand a year that you would have spent on loans and you instead put it in savings you know who knows right no like, load mutual maybe- funds etfs genius exactly don't pay some broker right. for you don't pay some financial advisor fee well i was i was even going to say if you want to you know take three months off and go to Thailand, you could also do that, right? It's more just the the fact that there's an opportunity cost for the money. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you can, even if you're like a high achiever looking at like a STEM degree, looking at a good school, you know, you should be thinking about this and you should be thinking about how to minimize it. And here's another manifestation of how debt can be life limiting. If you have debt, you're much less likely to take risks. And what is the best time of your life to like start a company in your 20s? Because you don't have any kids typically, hopefully you don't have much debt and you can take a risk. And if it doesn't work out, like 80% of companies fail within the first five years, you can reinvent yourself at age 31, 32. So like there are all sorts of reasons, ones we can easily cite, but others that that are, you know, if you think it through, you're like, whoa, that could be big life change. If I could start my own company and it worked, it's a different life that make you want to cap out and set parameters on the quantity of borrowing that you require. And so if you get into three colleges and two require more than 5,500 bucks a year in borrowing, uh, and then, and then mom and dad are now on the hook or, or you go crazy and start borrowing more, you gotta, you gotta think it through, but there are ways to find really good colleges that are absolutely within your budget. And again, it's not where you go to college, it's how you go to college. So, if you sleepwalk through Cornell and you go attack University of Minnesota, my guess is the 22-year-old you'll become will be better at Minnesota. It's not where you go to school. It's how you go to school. Right. Yeah. And also, just on that note, right? Like, if you are, if you do decide to go to Cornell, don't sleepwalk. Like, yeah, think exactly. about what you're paying for, right? <laughs> Good um, I mean, I, and I was, I, I will admit that I was bad about this. There were a lot of classes um, that I didn't go to at Carnegie Mellon because, I mean, it was accounting at 8.30 in the morning. And it was like, I don't want to do this, right? Mm-hmm. So, and you think about that now, it's like, hmm, every time I did that, it cost me probably $500. That's, that's uh, suddenly changes your tune a little bit about and what you're paying for. And remember, folks aren't necessarily thrilled about accountability, especially 18 to 22 year olds. A small college will make you accountable, much more likely at least. They'll make you accountable than a big university. So if you do go to a big university, and many of us do because it's cheaper, 
you make yourself accountable by you know deciding ahead of time. I'm going to go to all my classes. I'm going to go to the office hours. It's how you go to college. Right. So then, when you're when you're looking at student loans, you you mentioned uh, the loan program for freshmen, right, where they can get loans direct. But what are the other avenues that they have for being able to get money? Oh boy, um, they can. Well, you got it. FAFSA, right? I'm sounding like EF's Hutton here, but yeah, they can earn it. Okay, they can go earn it. Mm-hmm. And so what we say is 11K paves the way. $11,000, in my opinion, is what a student can contribute annually to the cost of college. Whoa, 11 grand. I mean, when I was that age, I barely had 110 bucks. Forget about $11,000 per year. And here's where I came up with that money. You borrow at most 5,500. You earn at least three grand. I'm just talking about the summers. The 10 hours a week you earn during school, hopefully you don't have to work more than that. That's for pizza money. Okay, that's for right. that's not to contribute with mom and dad to pay for college, hopefully. That's just for getting you by so you can go do the weekend in, in Chicago and not have to stay in the, back in the dorm while everyone else has fun. So 10 hours a week is what you work during school. That's all pizza money. That's not part of the 11 grand. So you earn during the summers and Christmas vacation uh, and spring break, maybe three grand. You already borrowed 5,500, so I'm at 8,500. So every student can contribute 8,500. But there's something that a lot of families don't know about. It's called the American Opportunity Credit. Hold on. It's the American Opportunity Credit. I don't have it exactly. American Opportunity is the name. I can't think of it. But it's $2,500 reduction in your parents' federal annual taxes if you're a full-time student and the family earns less than one hundred and sixty grand a year. That's the vast majority. I mean, that's way more than like 70% of American families make less than 160 grand a year. So the vast majority of college students, if they're full-time college students, if they inhabit a family that makes less than $160,000 a year, they're going to reduce mom and dad's federal taxes annually by 2,500. So here we go. You earn 5,500, excuse me, you borrow 5,500 max, student only. You earn 30,000, we're at 8,500. The family's taxes just went down 2,500. That's 11 grand. So if you go to an in-state public university that's normally retail sticker price, 24 grand, and you get no scholarships, zero scholarships, you subtract your 11 contribution, your family's on the hook for 13. So the family needs 1,100 bucks a month. Typically, that's something that seems a little more manageable than, oh my gosh, $25,000 a year. And 1,100 bucks a month in a lot of cities, that's the cost of just an apartment. You're getting right. educated, food. I mean, these are all in. These are all in. Co- educated, food, you know, fees uh, and uh, lodging and, you know, uh, everything that comes with a college experience can cost about what an apartment would cost in a city. If you think through, you know, the, an affordable family, uh, best fit that fits the family budget minus the 11 grand that you can contribute as a student. Yeah, no, that's great. And then I'd also love to just cover uh, real quick on this one. FAFSA and then merit-based aid, right? Because those are two additional, and then there's private scholarships too. But just there's any, sort of any sort of additional avenues that you can check out as you're trying yeah, to your, fill in that gap. Your cost, your 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 net family cost is um, the retail sticker price minus your scholarships. That's merit and need-based aid, okay? And that's your net family cost. But then you can subtract 11k, and that's your your uh, uh, parents respond, grandparents responsibly. So you want to make sure this number fits right. the family. So how do I increase this first line uh, that we subtract? That's the scholarships, okay? Merit-based aid, take the test, ACT and SAT. So many of these merit-based scholarships still require 
uh, a test score. Now, they, they, the school is called test optional. Well, that's getting in. And, you know, other than 60 to 80 colleges, getting in is not the issue. I mean, these are non-selective schools. I mean, no one gets super excited because, oh my gosh, I got into Colorado State. It's like, what's it going to cost me? Am I going to pay retail sticker, non-resident, 55 grand? Or am I going to pop a 28 on the ACT and now I'm paying like 38 grand? Oh, I got a 31 on the ACT. Now I'm paying 32 grand as a non-resident. You know, they're the Rocky Mountains. It's not a bad gig. And I just saved like $30,000 here. So you want to really augment the amount of scholarship money you're getting. Take the test. If you're eligible for need-based aid, Families typically that make less than a hundred grand a year, and if you come from a single parent and and, and he or she's working really hard making seventy grand a year, you are a gold mine. If you come from two parents and they're working super hard and making eighty grand a year, you are a potential gold mine. They're under a hundred grand a year, but hold on, you've got like a two point seven GPA. I mean, you're eligible. You're not going to get a nickel. Oh, you got like seventeen on or, you know on the ACT, or you got like a nine twenty on the SAT. I mean, you're eligible. They're not going to give you a quarter. So take the score, do the best you can in school. Students have such an influence on the cost of college. Families that think college is too expensive don't realize how much influence grades and scores, grades and scores, extracurriculars help too, grades and scores, grades and scores can influence the cost of that college because it will increase the amount of scholarships. Now, back to need-based aid, like you mentioned, you got to fill out the FAFSA. First week of October, first week of October, every single year starting senior year of high school, First week of October, I had a family, my gosh, kid filled out the FAFSA. Everything was paid for at a college called Wayne State in Northeast Nebraska. Great value, by the way. One rate, any state, one rate. And you can come from any state and you could be paying in state at University of Nebraska State Colleges, Peru, Wayne, Shatteran. We're talking literally retail sticker, 16 grand. You get a 25 free tuition. I mean, it's a great value. Bottom line, they forgot to fill out the FAFSA year two. They didn't realize it was an annual exercise. And they told him, week for school, you're paying full price this year. And he had to drop out of school. So fill out the FAFSA every year. Apply for merit-based scholarships. The vast majority of merit-based scholarships, Tyler, come from the school you're going to ultimately attend. But then there's this other pool of money that's called um, um, privately offered money. And go to your local school's counseling website, and they'll have a laundry list of scholarships you can win that are offered by the local Sertomans or the, 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 the local employer in town. And it's a thousand here, 2,500 a year. Most of that privately offered money is year one only. Very little mm. of that is repeat money. So year one, you wanna really shrink that cost. Um, and then just remember though, years two, three, and four, that locally offered merit-based money may not be there. Right. And and also, I think it's important to think be thinking about where you're getting merit based aid, even from the school itself, right? Um, I feel like that's actually a pretty common one for a lot of these schools, especially state schools, and it's usually just based, especially if you're in state, on either your GPA or your test score. Absolutely, there's serious discounting going on because these schools are jockeying and competing for applicants. So. A lot of them have formulas. I mean, Arkansas, Alabama, Mississippi, Nebraska. These are state, Tennessee. These are states where they just have a grid. And here's the retail sticker price. Here, I'm going to retail sticker price. And here's your ACT score or SAT score climbing. And here's the cost of college and it's dropping. And on a college, we put together these grids for every single state. So at a glance, you can see what an extra couple points in the ACT, what an extra 100 points in the SAT will mean in a reduction annually in the cost uh, of college. So a lot of those schools that's, just That's discount. a great resource. Do you make that public at all? Um, it's really for our clients, but uh, okay, so we, we share it because you want at a glance to be able to see, okay, what's a couple extra points? And otherwise we just sort of speak in vague 
in, in, in vague non-specifics, which is redundant, but um, they say, oh, just jump your score, you know, get a bigger scholarship at Larry Cosmo. How much? And, and what schools? You know, what, if I got it, I got a 26, now I look through the, the list, what's going to be my, my cost for each one of those colleges? So you want to be mindful of that, and we can help you at on the College. Yeah. No, that sounds great. And then I'm curious, anything else when you're talking about minimizing student loans that you should be thinking about just generally? Well, you want to maximize the likelihood that you're going to be eligible for need-based aid. So ethically, you want your family to appear as poor as possible on the right. FAFSA. So there are a lot of basics here, but talk to a financial advisor. And uh, hopefully you've got one that you trust and maybe one will just meet with you for free because he or she wants you to ultimately get to be a client. So they typically will meet you one time for free and walk you through some of these things. But here's some of the basics. Uh, the, the, there are two forms you fill out. There's the FAFSA and the CSS profile. And the FAFSA doesn't ask for as much info. For example, if the parents are divorced, they don't want to know what the non-custodial parent's income is. So mom makes a ton of money, dad doesn't make much money, you live with dad 51% of the days, and a college that only looks at the FAFSA never knows about that pile of money mom's sitting on, right? Right. And FAFSA never looks at home equity. So you and I might live next door to each other, I got half a million dollars left to pay on my house, yours is paid off, you're in a lot better situation than I, FAFSA never knows. Okay, so again, uh, you know, uh, you, you can use your house in, in, in ways that, that mask exactly how much money you are to augment exactly how much your eligibility is for need-based aid. Most selective colleges right. also require this second form called a CSS profile. All of that additional information is asked for, so you can't hide it. So what do I tell a lot of my clients who have divorced parents, who uh, one of the parents really well off, the second parent's making like 50 grand a year, Let's go to some, let's apply to all the best colleges that only require a FAFSA. And a lot of these are public colleges and you're going to look mm -hmm. really poor ethically, ethically, and you're going to qualify. I mean, it's, it's, it's the rules of the game, exactly. right? You're just, you're just playing the, it's a great the rules. It's a game. It's a game. And I'm not saying the game is fair. Don't shoot the messenger. What I am saying is play it, learn the game mm -hmm. and go win it. And um, these kids, uh, I just had, you know, these kids who just, they follow the rankings. I just talked to a young woman, fabulous young woman, just transferring from Georgetown and, and going to the University of Florida. And um, it's, it's a lot of reasons. Bottom line is play the game. Don't get caught up in the rankings. Don't overstretch financially. That's a, that's a, that's a, uh, a recipe for some friction in the family and, um, and for some real hardship and suddenly mom and dad's retirement savings are not what they otherwise could have been. And, and there's so many adults, my gosh, there's so many people in their 70s and 80s paying off student loan debt. And that was their children's and grandchildren's student loan debt. So go in realizing, hey, you can get a great education at Nebraska Wesleyan in Lincoln, Nebraska. You can get a fabulous education. And if you get a 27 on your ACT, they're gonna charge you like 25 grand a year. You can pay at least 8,500. Now the family's on the hook for 16 grand a year. Oh, you go to Tufts, huge school, all righty. Not a lot of attention, yeah. okay? The professors probably went to the same kind of colleges as the professors at Nebraska Wesleyan, Ivy League schools. But they're really consumed in consulting work on the side and research and, and uh, uh, totally different academic priorities, in my opinion. And you're paying, oh, a cool 60 grand more per year. <laughs> That's four years. In other words, be a smart college shopper. Right. Yeah. 
And think about the price when you're shopping. I think that's the number one thing that a lot of people don't do. Their eyes just get really big for the big name school. And they think about how it's going to make them rich and make all their friends jealous. But at the end of the day, if it makes you poor, that's not really worth it. Um, <laughs> and it's something that it's, it's, you know, it's a price that you'll be paying for a long time. I'm 35 now. I have friends who still have student loans. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, unfortunately, a lot of this conversation didn't really start until, uh, in the last sort of five years, but I think it's, it's a really important one and definitely consider the cost of college and how to minimize it when you're applying. I had a friend who is, I keep bringing up Georgetown, who just ironically got into, a daughter got into Georgetown and Nebraska Wesleyan and chose Nebraska Wesleyan for financial reasons. And he said, what am I giving up? I said, you're giving up a network. You're giving up friends for your your daughter up and down the East Coast and from California and trading them for friends from Omaha and Des Moines and Chicago. It's a little different network. But Mm -hmm. as far as what goes on in the four rooms of the classroom, you know, a Beloit a uh, Nebraska Wesleyan, a Doan College in Crete, Nebraska, um, a, uh, a Lawrence College in Appleville, Wisconsin, a Denison College in Ohio Wesleyan, a Worcester College in Ohio. There are so many great what we call value colleges. I have like a list of my 35 favorites. Fabulous educations you can get for under 35 grand, many of them for under 25, 25 grand, depending on what your score is. So just be a smart college shopper. And you're missing, you're going to miss out on the network a little bit. But here's the other thing that I think you won't miss out on that most people our age think you will. And that is the pipeline to the best jobs, the Googles, the Facebooks, the, the Goldman Sachses, the Morgan Stanleys. Look, in the 1990s, you had to go to a certain number of schools to get those gigs. They know how the game is played now. They know that, you know, if you went to the Honors College at University of Alabama, it's because your family didn't have a lot of dough. And didn't want to mm-hmm. go to University of Michigan for seventy grand and took a comparable education. I wouldn't say equivalent. Don't get angry. I would say comparable for twenty, and you're saving two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And and what are you what are you admitting in your interview or when they accept you for an interview is, is that you're not a silver spoon kid. And that's the kind of kid typically has a lot of grit. You don't need right. the brown on your diploma as much as you used to 30, 40 years ago. Right. Exactly. Thanks. Well, this has been Shift, a college admissions podcast for a changing world, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with John Baylor from On to College. You can get a free trial of Achievable's ACT course by visiting achievable.me. And if you like it, be sure to use the code podcast to get 10% off.